0: Hi, welcome to What's Next, Porto Business School podcast on future trends and innovation. I am Rui Coutinho, head of uh, the Center for Business Innovation here at PBS. And today on the show with me, I have the pleasure to welcome Karen lawrence Urqvist. Uh, Passion about the right to privacy as a human right. This is a bold claim. Um, Karen uh, has worked in Hewlett Packard, at Novell, at CERN, our great partners. We work a lot with them here at Porto Business School. And um, right now, Karen has been uh, working uh, on, um, and she founded uh, this uh, uh, extraordinary company called Privacy, uh, that uh, is niched on privacy compliance, uh, starting with GDPR. And Karen is also uh Delivering uh, a new executive education program here at Porto Business School called Data Protection by Design and Default uh, that will happen in October this year of 2019. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Karen, why privacy
1: matters? Because it's a human right. <laughs> um, it's actually... Uh, it's <sighs> I would say that in order for a democratic society to function... Uh, you need to have... There's two things. Well, there's a lot of things, but two that's fundamental that I get exposed to is one is the right to a private life. Uh, And the second one is... um, freedom of speech and freedom of information otherwise if you don't have those two factors then you don't have a dem- democratic society well, it just won't work
0: yeah but m- very often you see uh, a strong debate on uh, the f- between the freedom of speech and the freedom of press and everything that is connected with exactly the privacy uh, 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 rights that, uh, that, that people have everything All this discussion, of course, has been boosted by the technological development. And right now, um, we are in a pretty much data-driven economy. uh, And you see companies making their businesses and their business case on data collection. Uh, And the European Union has tried to, in some some way, um, um, regulate that uh, that sector. We are close to one year into the GDPR. The, what, what's, the balance? what's the what's the balance the, what's the, the, the looking back in this last last year and it was a busy year mm. for companies and for data protection officers and, and what balance can you do right now uh, is Europe uh, bulletproofing its economy and, and respecting uh, privacy is Europe not doing the right thing the right job and I'm only speaking about Europe I will broaden this later well how One year into the thing, what is your perspective?
1: Right. Now, the GDPR was upgraded. One of the reasons was due to digitization, Internet of Things, smart homes and everything else. So, basically, um, we've become an information society and the offline world has merged with the online world. So, there's no delimitation, there's no separation of what we do offline with what we do online. Um, So, that's the first thing. So, a, a regulation such as the GDPR was was needed desperately um, and what it also what we also saw happening is uh, what we call um, organizations they're basically making money from our personal data and what the GDPR has done it's turned the whole thing upside down and saying look the data subject owns their own personal data it does not belong to the organization that's making money from that data so and the the, the making money from our data has been possible through digitization through uh, smart devices um, everything from the telephone that we carry around and the coffee machine that we have in our home um, our smart data that's being collected on us and the coffee machine is our personal data what it's collecting because it is personal data. it is data that is linked directly or direct or indirectly to a natural person now if we come up to where we are today now if you can imagine one year ago organizations they are collecting indiscrimin- indiscriminately um personal data because they make money from it and there is no there is nothing actually limiting how much data they actually collect Um, you know I often sort of go through the OECD principles and the first one is collection limitation there has been no collection limitations of personal data which means that um, we as individuals our privacy is not being respected and the problems that organisations have been having, the challenge is first of all if you take marketing departments and the sale of personal data um, that they can buy personal data and they can actually use it to do push marketing out to the consumers Um, and This has been something we can sort of see what's happening is that they're starting to realise that they have to change this trend. And what we're looking at is more quality over quantity because rather than taking the push marketing approach where you are buying personal data, and a lot of the personal data they get, people don't want to be contacted. They're just not interested. But they purchase this personal data, so then they have their call people who ring up, cold call all these people, or they send out marketing. Marketing material, um, and they disturb their private space. Instead of thinking from a quality perspective, which which will be the future, and this is possible with apps, which is one of the. It also is a collection channel for personal data, but an app is a is a something that the data subject themselves decides to download onto their computer. So they choose to have this, and then it means that if you say, okay, this is um, Pull marketing from the consumer, it means that the quality becomes better. So it's not that we're there now but I do actually have some customers that have basically kicked out their push marketing and gone 100% for the pull marketing and what they've done is they've actually saved money in their marketing for marketing pers- per- personnel and they have quality and this has actually impacted their brand in a very positive way. So that is one example but in general what I see happening with this, um, this collection of data that is uncontrolled uh, is that organizations are still in a state of shock and they're still, it depends which country you're in, but they're still trying to deal with, okay, um, how can we minimize the amount of change that we need to make to our operations just so that we're good enough to be compliant with GDPR? Yeah.
0: That, that leads exactly to my next question. You just mentioned today in the, in the seminar that we held here at Porto Business School that uh, gdpr compliance and data protection uh, uh, strategy is a change management uh, activity it's a a change management uh, process uh, uh, overall what have been the main challenges that companies are have been facing and that they might not be uh, understanding um, in a a full uh, uh, scale Uh, what are the key things that you have been seeing in your uh, experience in your experience That companies are not quite getting, or having, are having a hard time getting. Mm. I know this might Mm. change from country to country, but Mm. can you share a little bit? Yeah,
1: well, I I think the the fact is is that from the beginning it was seen that it was some legal thing that needed to be done from the organization point of view that they just needed to be compliant so they wouldn't have to pay these fines and the security companies were out there saying let us find your personal data dynamically so there was a load of snake vendors on the market sort of helping the organization to believe that the 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 solution to this was legal and technology which it wasn't because basically personal data permeates every aspect of an organization um, and every employee is collecting personal data and what's more is that every employee is a digital touch point of the organization with the ecosystem so for example even if you let's say that you an organization is hacked into or they lose personal data even if they did everything correctly internally and they have a communications function which communicates to the ecosystem to you know the, media to say, yes, we've had a breach and it's been dealt with and we don't see there being a big risk if every employee if the communications internally is not being dealt with in a good way what i mean is that the employees don't understand what personal data is what is processing and if they have not communicated exactly you know the message internally concerning this so they need to have not only their formal communication channels running through the formal the normal way through their normal communications but also informal channels running so that the message coming out through the digital touch points of the organisation through linkedin instagram and whatever uh, ever, ever other media they may be using is actually um, mirroring exactly what the message is uh, coming out of the official function, not something different, because that can do equally as much damage um, to an organisation's brand, even if there is no risk to the rights and freedoms of the of the data subjects concerned in this, c- in whatever case it may be. Mm. So this is why it brings it into a change management project because it, it is about every single individual. It has
0: to be moralistic, right? It doesn't yeah. touch only on the data collection it it goes deeper than that right
1: yeah because it's actually unless you unless you think about it as a change management project you will and if you try to patch it up or just to do enough you will find that Those in let's just take jump ahead two or three years. Your marketing message is going to start becoming very artificial. Um, Whereas those companies that have actually taken it as a change management project, teaching every employee what is what is personal data, what is processing, and why should I care, and actually giving them some uh, some knowledge so that they can take it home to their their family and their friends and make them aware about privacy and they can get the every single employee in the organisation engaged in some way and if they actually within the organisation they create some kind of uh, privacy champion network using, using individuals, they don't need to be individuals who are um, uh, managers great legal guys or anything, they can be people that just want to be some kind of advocate and they they can be; they are respected by employees of the organization, and they can provide the informal communication ducts of the organization. So, uh, I, I sort of see, and, and this, this also reflects with how things are operating today with digitization, the merge of the offline world with the online world. The fact is, is that we cannot protect information by putting it into a fortress. The information is in our head. Every single one of us are living walking, breathing information creators and distributors of information Um, and this is basically why it just would not work to just do enough
0: Talking about the perspective from the individuals the data subjects um, do you think that uh, people are aware fully aware of the of a full extension on which their data and sometimes th- their behavior that leads to data, sometimes it's not direct mm. data, it's data that, that is that is built out of behavior analysis and patterns. And, 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 and do you think that people are aware of uh, everything that is happening around, uh, around, uh, around their data, uh, what are companies doing with their data? And in some sense, uh, what kind of, What would you recommend individuals, citizens, people, users, customers, uh, uh, well, pretty much everybody, um, to pay attention to? Because uh, sometimes we, don't, we, are not, we are not even aware that the data is being collected uh, and we find it odd that um, Google Maps is, uh, knows exactly that we are in the car ready to leave and this kind of things. And we find it funny. Sometimes we even also find it very useful. It's, it's, it's improving our life in, some in, many sen- in many senses, but at what cost? So what, what should we pay attention as individuals to?
1: Yeah, so basically um, what you're talking about is called passive collection. So there's two types of collection. And, you know, when we're talking about collection, we're coming from the um, from the angle of the data subject, not the application. So, for example, a cookie on the computer is passive collection. So you say once yes to the cookie, and then after that, it just carries on working in the background with an app that you download on your telephone. You download it, and then it passively collects information. And, you know, Google Maps, my God, where would I be without that? Because I get lost all yep. the time. So we, we need this now. It's become a part of our lives. Um, and I would say that basically, there is, you know, there is, it's a dilemma. It's convenience versus privacy. Uh, and basically, at the end of the day, the convenience trumps but what one can do and what do I do recommend is to just see where does the the app come from where is it designed is it in the EU and then based upon that you sort of know that you are dictated by EU rules if you consent to an app downloaded by the US and you actually do explicit consent then you're driven by their rules because you've given explicit consent to that and that is one of the derogations with international transfers. So... um so it's very difficult with apps because it is convenience. And, you know, what we have now today is a generation. I have a nine-year-old daughter, and we have a generation of young people that are just downloading the apps. And what I'm seeing at the school, actually, where she goes to, they've actually asked me to speak there because what I saw happening is that they, 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 they're taking pictures. There's this one called TikTok, super cool it has video and it has music and it has a lot of sort of like special effects behind the scenes and then kids can be stars in their own right on their telephone but what happened is that when I sort of questioned her about it she said it's okay mum I'll delete the app and she did it and I said but that doesn't solve the problem and and she said well why and I said look you've." and I sort of went in there and I found she'd had two accounts and one that she couldn't log into because she'd forgotten the password so she created another one and so people they just don't understand if you take parents with their kids it's like you need to be involved with what, what they're doing because that is one of the biggest risk areas at the moment apart from the fact that it's super cool for kids and i think it's cool even for the parents there is a lot of risks involved that you don't realize that even when you are you are you are downloading these apps when you delete it on your telephone your personal data is still there somewhere so what 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 needs to be done is you need to actually look to see what apps you have loaded down and you need to actually, say, remove that data from wherever it's coming from. Um, but that takes quite a lot of effort and it's a difficult problem and there's no solution. But I would say that... Um, in general, when it comes to, if we take away the apps and things, the data subjects are getting more aware of their rights. I'm seeing a lot more data subjects access, you know, um, exercising their rights. You know, I've, I've seen requests where somebody has downloaded an app and they sent a request to say, look, I downloaded it to test it. Can you please remove it? So it, it is sort of happening, you but it's slow. You think that w-
0: we have an increased literacy level also, uh, not only awareness, but also literacy level, because some people wouldn't know how to do that. No. Or that they, are, they can do that.
1: No. And, you know, most people don't. People don't realize that, um, you know, the amount of personal data that's out there, and it's like orphaned data, because it's been downloaded just to test it and then it's just deleted and never really thought of again in any way. Um, Yeah.
0: That's interesting. So... (coughs) Uh, here at Porto Business School and together with you and Privacy, we have uh, we have put the data protection topic on the agenda. It is uh, something that is absolutely uh, essential and important for us uh, uh, um, for this uh, year of 2019. And one year into GDPR, we now have some additional knowledge mm-hmm. uh, that allows us to build yeah. this program together, mm-hmm. the data protection by design and default, 16 hours of exe- executive training. Can you describe us, not so much the program but why why should what's new here and why should uh, should someone take it uh, uh, what's the point here
1: yeah so basically what we've done is that we've taken uh, we've taken uh, the it is a change management project um, but we, s- we we need to give some legal stuff but we do it in a way to make it so that it's digestible. So we've taken the 200 plus pages of the GDPR and we've consolidated it in eight principles, which is not something we created. It's been around since 1980. The Organisation for Economic Development created them. So we need to start off with that and then to sort of look at, you know, like we were talking about collection limitation and, Mm -hmm. and to sort of then take these principles and apply them in practical case studies. So to actually use them and sort of practice um, what it's actually talking about and also to sort of use, we, we start off the you know the theme is data protection by design by default the six words of the GDPR that extended the reach of GDPR out of the legal function into every business function so the idea is at the end of two days that every participant will understand what is data protection by design by default and basically they will not become an expert but they will know who to call in so somebody said something when I was working for CERN actually you mentioned CERN and I was when I was working uh, the head of systems administration I had an awesome boss who He became the data protection officer there. But I remember I called him out one night at 2 o'clock in the morning. I felt very stupid because I knew I did something. I got out of my depth and I didn't know what to do. And I knew he had a flight the next morning so he came in with his suitcase. And I said, look, I'm really sorry. I feel so stupid but I screwed up. And he said, Karen, the difference between because I was an engineer in those days, a mediocre engineer and a top notch engineer, is the top notch engineer, knows when to call in the troops and that's what you've done and we solved it during the night and it was a really big lesson to me and so what this book is about is that if anybody out there is claiming to be a data protection expert or a GDPR expert, you know no, sorry, they don't exist. What I call myself is a data protection practitioner and after two days you will actually become at the level to say yes I'm a practitioner, I sort of get what this data protection by design by default is, I've actually worked on some real life examples and I know the help that I need to, to get me through this and to get our organisation through this
0: Very well, thinking no, now a little bit more in, a, in an abstract and uh, long term view in your opinion Karen, what's next for data, data protection?
1: Yeah, um, uh, what I see happening is that we... We are now moving... There's a couple of trends that I've seen happening in UK and Sweden, and it's come from two different sources, and that is that there is a a reduced demand of so-called GDPR experts because a lot of organisations are starting to get their in-house competences up to scratch now. Um, And what I see happening is the more... There's a lot of stuff in the organisation which is actually easy to be repeatable. It's like, for example, um, with a breach... A breach could be you send an email to the wrong person it's just that you haven't identified what the privacy risk is yet or it could be that you lose your telephone on the bus or the train Now there is a hundred different ways you can lose a telephone and within different contextual circumstances and this can actually be um, this can actually be automated in a way so that what takes us um five ten twenty minutes to make a decision on what is the potential privacy risk or even two hours or even two days, can in 12 months' time have it to a level where it takes 30 seconds or two seconds or five minutes, depending upon the complexity and how many times it's happened before. If it's never happened before, it may take two hours. If it's happened a hundred times before, it may take five seconds to say there's no risk. Boom, because the questions have been answered by the person that lost the telephone. As you can see, the risk is, uh, is, is negligible.
0: And in the, middle, in the middle of all this... Uh Possibilities, opportunities, and challenges. What's next for you, Karen?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, with privacy, what we're doing is we are um, looking at um, operationalizing as much as we can from GDPR that can be made repeatable, um, and we're looking, we're reaching out to the SMBs, the small medium businesses, and from me personally, also, um, I'm sort of riding two books now. I've already written two books. One was published by the British Computer Society in 2009. The second was published last year that I wrote together with a legal guy, Philip johnson And I'm writing a book together now with a guy in UK who's sort of like my equivalent. He came from the police originally and that's how he got involved in privacy. And we're going to be writing a lot of stories. We're going to be taking the GDPR and everything that we've done. He has a really rich background and we're going to put it into a book to try and find a way to make the GDPR rich in actual real life examples and the other book that I'm sort of l- going to be writing is the book that I wrote in 2009 I'm looking to uh, redo that book and make it current to today and yeah
0: thank you so much for coming to our show
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure thank you for having It was
0: Karen Mm Loras Ockvist from uh, Privacy sharing with us. What's next?
1: Make change happen.